0: good to see you this morning. How many of you, by show of hands, have all your Christmas shopping done? Man, good for y'all. How many of you still have plenty left to do? So, so I, love, I love Christmas primarily because of Jesus, but secondarily because of gifts. I love gifts. Gift giving and gift receiving is my love language. So you want to tell me you love me this year, buy me something for Christmas I will appreciate it. I love you back, and so forth. I just love gift giving. It's been something I've always loved. I always loved Christmas morning, um, and um, and so through the years of our relationship, our marriage, Kyla and I, gift giving has always been something I anticipate and I look so forward to. Um, early when we were dating in our dating years, man, I, I I was killing it because she just kept she just kept coming back. She would always say thank you. She'd always love it. In fact thought I was so good at it. I, I, I proposed to her on Christmas morning. Um, I uh, drove all the way. Was about, she lived about eight hours away, drove all the way, surprised her that morning, woke her up, and I uh, proposed to her there, which, I mean, what woman doesn't want to be proposed to with morning breath and bed hair and all that kind of stuff uh, and so forth? But really, from that point forward, as Christmas came, I really felt like, I mean, I've raised the bar so high, I've got to keep, keep up to this level. And for the past 18 years, just really not done a good job with it. I, I just, I, I put thought into it. I put planning into it. I, I try to get things that would be special and unique. But man, year after year, I just kind of fall flat. And, and I, I give gifts that like, looking back now, like I probably shouldn't have done that. So I've done, like I've gotten her vacuum cleaner before for Christmas. Not a really good gift to give. I've gotten pots and pans for her for Christmas because we needed them and so forth. Uh, one year she said she needed clothes, so I bought her clothes. Guys, don't ever do that. Like, that's just a really bad idea. Didn't get the right size, and so it just, just is a really, really bad idea. And so this year, after 18 years of marriage, she says, Robert, as we, as we come to Christmas, I want to talk to you about our gifts. And so I'm kind of like, oh, man, shucks. I mean, she's going to tell me what to get, but I'll receive it. And she says this, no gifts what? We're not going to exchange gifts. What I think we should do, you go buy you something and I'll go buy me something. (laughs) We'll wrap it and we'll exchange it and we'll call that that and so forth. You know, all this planning I had has just kind of come to nothing. All these plans I've made over the years. And really when you think about it, that's the way a lot of things in our lives go. And if you're married, that's in a way a lot of things have gone in your marriage where you you kind of thought in your mind it would be this way, but but things changed and things are a little different than what you had thought. Maybe because of the circumstances of life, things have been disrupted. Really, no matter who you are, life is a series of us making plans. And either one of two things have happened with those plans and have determined the way that your life has gone. You've made plans and they've worked out. Or you've made plans and they've not worked out. And that's your life. Plans you've made. And it's either worked or it's not worked. It's going the direction that you thought it would go and that you've planned it out to go. Or it's not. Things have changed and it's taken a different course. And what you're walking through and what you're facing is not what you've planned. This morning I want to take you to what we often look at as a perfect couple. We beautify them. We celebrate them. We put them in pageants. but Their relationship coming up upon the birth of Jesus was anything but perfect. The story of Mary and Joseph is a beautiful story. It's it's depicted so beautifully in nativities. We see it in that precious scene of Husband and a wife with a baby and angels singing and a star above and shepherd and wise men in a, in a cute stable with you know sweet little animals and so forth we think of and how brave and how heroic they were to to make the journey and to to be so humble and so willing to have uh, the birth of her firstborn child in in, in in a stall in a barn basically we we think so highly of them but I want you to know that The months leading up to that moment was a mess for Mary and Joseph. Their relationship and their marriage, upon the unexpected, unplanned announcement of Jesus, the disruption in their relationship was anything but perfect. What I want to do this morning is I want to look at these two stories. I want to look at Joseph. I want to look at Mary. So I want you to take your Bibles and turn them to the book of Matthew chapter 1. And at the same time, hold your finger there and turn to the book of Luke chapter 1. Each gospel gives us the perspective of Jesus' disruption or announcement to this family, to this couple, and how they responded and what came out of it. So Matthew's account gives us the account, the perspective of Joseph. And, and listen really carefully what happened and, and what it led to. The unplanned, unprepared for coming of Jesus. In verse 18, we're told this. Matthew writes it this way. Now, the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be chi- with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man, and unwilling to put her shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Talk about relationship being perfect. The marriage of Mary and Joseph nearly ended in divorce. And why was it? Well, the why is is kind of somewhat. Obvious. Matthew tells us, and Luke says the same thing that they were betrothed. Now we don't we don't use that word. We don't betroth people. You've never betrothed a person. We, we don't have that concept and that practice today in our culture. The, the closest thing that we have to it is is engagement. And so you get engaged, which is which is a commitment. It's a promise that you will marry this person. But the wonderful thing, and sometimes the necessary thing, but often not, it works out great. About engagement is that if you change your mind, it's okay because you were just engaged. Now that's serious and that's certainly heartbreaking and so forth, but but there's no, nothing legal. Betrothal was completely different than that. Betrothal was a legal marriage. When you were betrothed, you were legally married. By the law, you were married. And so there was no backing out. And, and if there was a backing out, you had to go through the law to do a legal divorce. The only difference between full-blown marriage and betrothal, is that they had had not had the religious ceremony yet. They had not consummated the marriage yet. But they were married. So it was kind of, we make this plan, we legally bind ourselves, and then we prepare for the wedding. We prepare for the ceremony. We make the announcement. We tell everybody. We invite everybody. and, And we wait to consummate the marriage with that religious ceremony. So legally they were married, but they had not fulfilled all things to be married. And in the midst of this, planning and dreaming that these two had, Joseph, I mean, dropped the knee. Asked the woman. This is the woman he wants to marry. This is the woman he's going to raise a family with. This is, uh, all all the men is like, he's taken. All the ladies are, he's taken. This was a proud moment for Joseph. He had found his wife. He was going to be the man, and he was going to raise a family one day. It was a proud moment for Joseph until he discovers His wife is pregnant. And there is no possible way it's his. Because he had not slept with her yet. In fact, to his understanding, she was a virgin. All his plans, all his dreams, everything he had set out in the course of his life at that moment changed it was disrupted and it immediately led to what do i do and probably anger and frustration and what's going on and we can't move forward with this i mean what would you conclude the only conclusion that he could properly make at that moment the only conclusion that made any sense was that she cheated on me and if she's unloyal now She'll be unloyal forever. I love what Matthew says and how he describes Joseph because Joseph was a good man. It's not like Joseph had deserved this. It's not like Joseph had had any way, shape, or form but in anything but a good man to her. And he's a good man to her in this situation. It says that Joseph, being a just man, resolved not to put her to shame, but to divorce her quietly. Joseph had several choices he could have made in this situation. By the Jewish custom and law... Joseph had the right, the the legal right, according to uh, Jewish law, to actually have Mary put to death, to be stoned to death, because adultery was a sin that was punishable by death. It had not been practiced that way, but he could have done that. The other thing would, and the more common thing, was that he could have publicly shamed her. She's an adulteress. She had cheated upon me. She has violated our marriage. And so he could have put her out and had her judged in front of all people. And that could have been something she wear, wore around the rest of her life. And at the same time, it basically been an opportunity for him to regain his reputation. Rather than being the man who had been cheated upon, the man who, who couldn't hold his home down, he has the opportunity to get revenge upon her. Or he could have done something else. And he certainly could have done this. Because of his pride... And because of his not wanting to thwart his reputation, he could have lived a lie and said, that baby's mine, and I'm going to own up and just go ahead and move forward with everything. And he could have said that basically she didn't cheat upon me. That's, That's my child. Raised that child as his own. That's not what he decided to do. Not live a lie, not shame her. Certainly not abuse her in any way, shape, or form decided to quietly divorce, which would allow Mary the best opportunity in that circumstance to raise her child, to go back to her family, to raise her child, maybe go back to whoever it was she was with, and it gives Mary the best chance from her position to move forward. He's thinking about these things. He's pondering these things, it says. Matthew tells us that as he pondered these things, as he thought about these things, as he was trying to figure out what to do, and the things that you can imagine that went through his head, just flat-out anger, just flat-out frustration, disappointment, heartbreak, loved her. All that's gone. All of these plans. And now he's got to start all over with everything But he doesn't want to start all of everything because he really does love her and he cares for her. But clearly, that's not where she has with things. Life's not worked out the way he wanted it, and the situation he's in—it's just not fair. And flip over to Luke chapter one, and Luke gives us the count—the story from Mary's perspective told this in verse 26 of Luke chapter 1. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, "'Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you.' But she was greatly troubled, the saying, and she tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel of the Lord said to her, "'Do not be afraid, Mary.' For you found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you shall, be called, you shall call his name Jesus. He'll be great. He'll be called the son of the most high. And the Lord will give him the throne of David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. In his house and his kingdom, there will be no end. And then Mary asks the question that is very loaded. Verse 34, how, how is this going to be? Since I'm a virgin, there's a lot in that statement for Mary: "Her life is about to change drastically. None of it makes sense. Eight: how is that even possible? Can you imagine the things that she was going to have to face after that moment? The hard conversations. Conversations that no one, no one would believe her on. I mean, Joseph's not going to believe her, certainly. But she's got to tell her mom, dad, her grandparents. And as the months go along, it's something she can't hide in And eventually she's going to be the one that everyone looks at and says, there's Mary who cheated on the great man Joseph, this good guy who was going to care for her and he cheated on him. She was going to have to walk through the shame of the community, the shame of her family, the disappointment in everyone else. And then in the midst of all of that, she hasn't done anything wrong. Like she knows the truth that that this is not a circumstance that she asked for, that she signed up for. And it's just been brought to her. It's just upon her. And she has no control over it. She can't control what people think. She can't control what people do. And while the story and the message was so wonderful that she was going to get the opportunity to do something like that, but in reality, when you think about it, this is not how she planned life to go. I mean, she thought she was going to be a wife and eventually raise a family of her own and be married to this great guy. In fact, made plans to, got betrothed. Now, all of that is going to end with a divorce. And the love of her life moving on and she is stuck with a child and a story about that child that no one believes. When you think about it, Mary and Joseph's situation here and and life isn't really much different than ours. Our life is a series of decisions we make and the outcome of those decisions. Did they work out the way that we had planned? Or as they, we made the plans, were they disrupted and interrupted? When you think back through your life and where you are right now, where you are in life right now, and where you're standing in life right now, it is a collection of plans that you have made and some of those plans working out maybe not exactly how you wanted, but at least it's worked out to certain degrees. I mean, you you decided you wanted to go into a career, and you committed yourself to that. You went to college, you got a degree, and then and it's worked out. You've gotten a job, and, and it may not be the perfect job yet, but it's, it's kind of the pathway that you want. You've, you've met someone, and you've fallen in love with them, and you've married them, and For others of us, we've gone further and we've had a family, we've built a family, and we've bought the home, we've bought the car, we've done certain things. So we've made certain decisions that have brought us as our decisions and pathway and plans have worked out. We are where we are. But then there's also in all of us where we are today is a result of things in our plans that were deeply disrupted. things that did not go the way that we planned them, things that came up that we had never prepared for and never expected, things that were done to us, things that were said to us, things that we did that messed our plans up and where we are today is a result of our plans not going the way we wanted to. All of us have been in those scenarios and circumstances where where we are today and what we're facing, the reality is we actually have no control over. We did not plan for it to go this way. And there is nothing we can do to get out of this plan. We have to live with it. And it has changed the trajectory of our life. Mary and Joseph's life trajectory was absolutely changed upon the arrival of Jesus. And our lives have faced circumstances that change the life and direction of our lives. What do you do when that happens? There is so much in this story. There is so much incredible truth in this story. But I want to show you for the rest of our time together just a picture Of what God plans for you to do. Of what God calls you to do. And the way that he called Mary and Joseph. Through the circumstance they did not plan for. In the midst of this moment. An angel appears. And the angel says something to them. The messenger of God gives them a word. For that moment, I want you to look at it. Back to Matthew chapter 1. Joseph, the end of verse 19, has resolved to divorce her quietly. It's the only thing he knows to do with his disrupted plans. Verse 20, we're told this, but as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear. Luke chapter 1, Mary is greatly troubled trying to discern what is going on here, and the first thing the angel says to her in verse 30, do not be afraid, for you have found favor with God. What do you do when life is disrupted? What do you do when plans don't go your way? What do you do when you're in the midst of a circumstance that you didn't want to plan for? You didn't plan for. You didn't do it. You didn't cause it. It is caused upon you. You can't control it. You cannot change it. You're just now walking through it. And your plans, your dreams, your hopes have been disrupted. You don't be afraid. Trust God. They didn't understand the circumstance they were in. But God did. God cared about their feelings and God cared about where they were and God cared about and he understood I've disrupted your life. I've changed the trajectory of your plan. But don't be afraid. Trust me because I have a plan. This is a moment that we realize for Mary and Joseph that They were not in control of their lives. They were not in control of their world. It's God that's in control. And this is a moment that God brought His control upon in their life. And He calls them to trust His plan. Trust me. Don't be afraid. Trust me. The truth of the matter was that God had a plan, and that the impossible situation, the only thing they knew to do was end this thing in divorce. And move on. Nothing was impossible for him. Because he had a plan. And when you and I get there in life. When you and I get to those moments of panic and worry. Where plans are failed. Or plans are changed. And life is controlling us. Rather than us being in control of it. We need to realize that that is a moment To learn trust and submit to his control. Not be afraid, trust him. And what the angel says after that gives the reason why their lives have been disrupted. Can I I tell you something? And their reason is an incredible reason, but their reason is not different from our reason. There is always a reason your life is disrupted. There is always a reason your plans do not go the way you plan. There is always a reason for bad news. There is always a reason. There is never a oops. There's really no reason for this. So there is always something behind it, there is always something in it. As Mary and Joseph's life was disrupted, there was a reason. The reason is very clear. Matthew tells us in Matthew chapter 20, the angel goes on, Joseph son of David, don't fear to to take Mary as your wife for that which she has conceived in her is the Holy Spirit. Here's the how. This is of God. This is of the Holy Spirit. And here's the why. She'll bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. And it goes even further. And all this took place to fulfill the Lord, spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. The why behind the disruption is so that God could bring the gospel of Jesus Christ into this world and save this world from their sins. And so there Mary is in Luke chapter 1, wondering what's going on. And he says to her in verse 31, And behold, you shall conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Verse 32, For he will be great, reference to David and the throne of David. And he'll be called the son of the Most High. And the Lord will give give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary asks the question, How? And then it just said, well, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, this child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. The situation they were in made no sense. And then something was given to them that made it make sense. What was that something? The gospel of Jesus Christ. gospel was the reason behind it. The gospel was the reason for it. The gospel was the way through it. The gospel was the center of it. Friend, that is not any different for you and I. No matter the circumstances, no matter the problem, gospel and the glory of God is the why. God wants to bring his son into this world through your circumstance. Your circumstance, your disrupted plan, is all about the gospel. Their reason is our reason. Their why is our why. Why am I facing this? Why am I stuck in this? Why am I walking down a pathway in a planet I never thought I would walk down? The gospel is the answer to it all. What's my hope in this situation? What's my way forward in this situation? The gospel of Jesus is the way forward. The gospel of Jesus is the way way through it. It's not just the reason. It's also the way. Because wrapped up in the midst of the gospel is this incredible truth. Not only is God saving the world, but for Mary and Joseph. God was in the midst of that situation. Oh, Don't miss this. They're terrified And then they have a big job to do, a road to walk. But that road to walk is all they need because in the road is also all that they need to get through it. You shall call his name Emmanuel. Means God is with us. There is never a pathway you are walking down that you are alone. There is never a disruption that has happened that not only is God in control of it and God have a plan for it, for his glory and for the gospel of Jesus Christ, but there is never a moment that you are in that plan that you are alone. He is in it with you. And Never more has that been true than Mary and Joseph walking through this difficult circumstance, this disrupted plan with God literally in her, with her. Do not fear, trust God, believe the gospel. This is where the story, it's just, it's remarkable. What happens next is is honestly just astounding. It's astounding on two levels. It's astounding for this man and this woman. But it's also astounding that God would do it this way. So they're given this big news. They're given this massive circumstance. They're given this impossible situation. They've got so many stories to tell. I mean, Joseph's gotta, got to believe what everybody thinks is a lie. Like Joseph's got to say, no, 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 Mary's telling the truth. This is, this is not, she didn't cheat upon me. This is God's son, and, and I'm going to adopt that son, and that son's going to be my son. I'm going to raise that son as my son. And so not only have one crazy person, you have two crazy person from the outside perspective. And Joseph is nuts. Mary is nuts. This is weird. And they're about to walk that road, the road they've been told to, but there's something really great coming through it. But it required something. Something had to happen next. Yeah, they had to trust God, yeah, they had to believe the gospel. But in order for that gospel to be brought forth, Mary and Joseph had to do something. Joseph did it this way. Verse 24 of Matthew 1. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife he knew her not till she had given birth to a son. He named him Jesus. Mary, Luke chapter 1. Verse 38. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Did as the Lord commanded. Let it be to me, according to your word. I'm a servant of the Lord. God put his most sacred plan. The plan of the ages, the plan that he planned before time, the plan balance of the entire world and the future of the world and our eternity hung on. There's many different ways that God probably could have saved this world, but there was no way that God planned to save the world but this way. And His plan, only He could accomplish it. But He put that plan To this couple who had to say yes, had to obey. And if they had said no, not only would we not have any trees or or lights, or eggnog, or white chocolate chip, white chocolate Oreos—only come out at Christmas, this, the Christmas edition. Oh my gosh! Wouldn't have forgiveness, or heaven, or hope, or peace, or joy. Plan required. Obedience. Think of the magnitude of that. That their problem was actually the greatest gift that had ever been given to this world. Their problem was a gift from God that changed the eternity of humanity. Their problem is a gift that rescues sinners like you and me from hell. They had to give their yes. Let me put it just really simple layman's terms. What do you do when life is disrupted? What do you do? How do you walk through those unexpected moments where things aren't going your way? trust God, you believe the gospel, and you obey. How do you know your circumstance and your situation isn't a way for someone in this world to receive the gospel? The story that God is putting you through and the story and the pathway that God is allowing your life to walk down isn't a story for, for your glory and for your plans to go away, but for his plan and for his glory and for him to be magnified and for his gift to be brought to this world. And he wants to bring that gift through you. And it's no different from the very moment if you've come to this place and point that you even receive this gift. You have to trust God. Believe the gospel and say yes. That's how we receive this gift. And that's no different than any circumstance in your life. Trust God. Believe the gospel. Obey him. Because it's him that's in control, not you. That's how you do. That's how you deal. And things don't go your way. Trust him. Believe his truth. Obey him. Some of you here today have, have been thinking, been grappling with this Jesus thing. You've been grappling with your life and what's the purpose and what's the meaning of life. To be honest with you, that's ultimately why you're in this place. It's why you keep coming here. I guess it's God working in your life. What's next? Let me just make it really clear for you. Trust him. Believe the gospel of Jesus. He came to die for you and give his life for you. Say yes to him. Receive that gift. Let him save you. Simple as that. And he is calling you to that today. With every head bowed and with every eye closed, Lord, we thank you for this incredible, indescribable gift that you give us, Jesus. He's the plan. He's the reason. And I pray, Lord, for those in this room that do not know him. They've not been saved. They've not trusted in Christ. They've not given him their life. Would you bring them to that place and point? Would you lead them to the place and point this morning to trust and believe and say yes? You do that in their lives today, Lord. For others of us in this room who've done that, Lord, we never, we can never let up on that. We can never back off of that. Even if we don't like the circumstances and even if our plans have not worked out the way that we want it, even if we find ourselves in something that we don't want to be in, Lord, help us to see that the answer is trust you. Believe the gospel. It's for the gospel obey God help us to continue to walk that pathway no matter where that pathway takes us we thank you for this gift brought to a couple just like us who is not in control of their lives who has plans that don't always work out Because we need a Savior. Thank you for bringing him. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.